Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast is Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are back after a long, long holiday break to talk about a lot of games from Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, of course, we sure knew how to pick the day we were actually going to record a podcast again because we didn't have such a great result today. But before we get to that, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify now. You can leave us very good reviews because we've been very good boys. And since you didn't get us a present over the holidays, you can give it to us now in the form of reviews. And follow us on Twitter at our Twitter account, at WDR Podcast. That is WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Joining me from the North Pole is my favorite little helper, Ben Daniels. Ben, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Why you, am I at the North Pole? I, I, it's the it was the holiday break. It's still I think it's still a day of Christmas. Not that you celebrate right, I'm that. Jewish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know. How was your how 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 was your time off from the podcast, Ben? Uh, it was so relaxing. I just was able to watch Spurs win without having to think about anything to say about it. It was great. <laughs> and coming to us from. Um, the South Pole? Yeah, the South Pole. The South Pole. The slopes of the South Pole. It is Brian Ashlock. Brian, you get a lot of skiing in over the holidays? You know, it's hard to ski when you're around your family. Um, you have to be a lot more secretive about it than you do in your own home. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> Had to celebrate those wins somehow, right? Yep, did some interstate travel. Um car rode a lot better on the way back so that was nice um you know it's good so yeah uh we have the last match we talked about on this podcast was tottenham drawing in 2-2 with liverpool so it's been a minute uh since then we have beaten west ham united uh 2-1 in the in the carabao cup we have beaten crystal palace 3-0 in the league we beat we drew Southampton one all in the league, and we beat Watford one nil in the league, and no other games were played after that, except maybe we lost to Chelsea pretty handily two nil today in the Carabao Cup semifinal first leg. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. I think, um, I mean, today kind of puts a damper in that, but I think the story is really the consistency of play over the course of the holiday break. I mean. It started off very well with a, a I, I thought an incredibly comfortable win over West Ham and an incredibly an actually incredibly comfortable win over Crystal Palace and then I think we saw Spurs get stymied by two very defensive teams in Southampton and Watford but I I think I might be alone among Spurs fandom here but I thought we handled both I thought we handled them reasonably well certainly better than we've handled them in I mean I don't know maybe three years. Um, I was up until today, honestly, I was pretty impressed with how Spurs have played during this holiday period. I think you can really see the difference Conte is making, um, which is, you know, we'll get to this in a minute, but I think that was really juxtaposed with today's match that showed you sort of how far we still have to go. Uh, Brian, um, just because I actually saw Ben and have had some conversations about him with it, I want to hear your thoughts. What where are your thoughts on Spurs as they stand uh, today after this busy holiday period? Well, I mean, I think, like, Conte kind of said it best in his post-match comments today, that this is a team that's kind of in the middle. Um, you know, we've had some good results, but, you know, even in some in those games, we, we did struggle at times. Um, you know, the Watford match, we got a win in, but, like, that was not an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, Southampton, we got a point. That was also, you know, a real struggle for the team. So, um you know, it, it, it's encouraging. I, I definitely am enjoying watching the team more. I mean, Liverpool, West Ham, Crystal Palace, those were all great games to watch. Um, but we're just we're just one or two players away from 
you know, the system totally not working. You know, we were already out Romero, who is, you know, one of our best ball playing defenders. And we're having to make up for that and try to, to make things work in weird ways without him. And then, you know, for example, today you lose Dyer and, you know, you that the things just go all weird again. Um, you know, we you know, we we sit Lucas for a match against Watford and then we look like crap and then Lucas comes back in and we look like crap today. And, you know, it's just. We're still not there in terms of personnel, in terms of knowing how to execute Conte's plan, in terms of just kind of everything. But we're we're on the way and like you can see the progress and and it is it's a lot better seeing progress than just watching stagnation happen before your eyes like we have for the last two years. Stagnation or regression, quite frankly. Like now we there's something going on and it, it's going in a direction. Um, so I, I don't know. We're just not as good as Chelsea. Like I think we all kind of knew that. I, I, mean, I think I think there's a lot of Spurs fans who are actually a little negative about how this holiday period has gone. Like there's been a real tail off since Crystal Palace, and like I don't really agree with that because I mean the Southampton game was no great shakes or anything, but we scored like I mean what we should have had three goals just by what. Got we scored four. Two of them should have stood. Exactly. So, like, I mean, you know, and you think, like, if that Kane goal goes in, doesn't get disallowed early, like, you know, who knows what that game turns into. I mean, we had a rough game against Watford. Again, Watford's got a terrible defensive record. You'd like to see us batter them. But, like, I, I don't know. These games happen. Like, if we're, I mean, maybe not peak Pochettino. We certainly watched enough games like this up with good teams under Pochettino. So, it's not... New, but I, I think it's like Brian said. It's like I mean, this is a team that's progressing, and we hit a bit of a wall today. But I think you could see the progress. I mean, this is a team that loses that Watford game like nine times out of ten. I feel like you know under Mourinho or Nuno. I mean, that they hung in there and got this shitty late goal is you know I hate I hate to bring that cliche in, but like you know it it's like it, I think it says something that they found a way to win that stupid game that I don't think they would have you know, however many weeks ago it's, and then you don't even have to go talk about mentality because the quality of play is better. I mean, that, that crystal palace game, I know Zaha got hilariously sent off pretty early, but you know, it was clinical and we didn't even get out of like first gear in that game. So, I mean, Pat West Ham, we played them off the park. I thought, I thought they were lucky to even get a goal in that game. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so weird doing this podcast you know, like, I think there was so much progress over the holiday period, and then you have this game today where, yes, some of it is down to absences, but we just did not look good enough. And I think it shows, like Brian said, that there is, you know, we're a few players away from everything breaking, and also, you know, I think Conte is going to have to find a way to work passers into the system because we immediately look, look better. I'm not saying it necessarily is in Domble, but... You know, as soon as we introduced the passer in, we looked better. Now, maybe that's just Chelsea easing off. I don't know. We'll get into that later. But, Ben, what is, I mean, sort of looking at this as a totality, how are you feeling about where Spurs are now relative to, you know, where they were back before we all started, you know, drinking eggnog? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing that I was most excited about from the Liverpool and West Ham matches was – seeing Conte integrate some of the fringier players um, and have them really stand out. Um, you know, Liverpool, we talked about, and Dombele and Winks and Deli Alley all had varying levels of good games in West Ham. We had Steven Bergwijn uh, show out as, like, the star performer. And then Crystal Palace, we reverted back to our standard lineup, basically. Um, Tanganga came in for Davis, but the front six seven guys were all all Conte's usuals, and, and they won. Um, and then the Southampton game was a frustrating match in terms of result. Um, you know, like you said, we drew 1-1, one, one, um, and guys like Deli and Harry Winks played that match. And I think the fact that that result didn't go our way was, I think, maybe overread 
by Conte. I, I felt like that was a good performance. Like you said, we, we got the ball in the back of the net four times. It's frustrating that only one of them counted. But, like, we didn't play a bad match. We created a bunch of big chances. We took a lot of shots from dangerous areas. Um, you know. And then after that, the last two matches have gone straight back to that Skip Hoybier midfield, Lucas, Son, and Kane front three. And it has increasingly, over the last two matches, sort of seen diminishing returns. I think the Watford game was not good. Uh <laughs> You know, it was good that we won, but even though we had several shots and, like, dominated the match, I think everybody watching that saw that we were not creating good opportunities. We weren't creating a lot of, like, great chances inside the box. Um, until Davinson, you know, got that header from six inches away from the goal, you know, we hadn't really created a shot from a, a great scoring opportunity uh, before then. And then the Chelsea game just deteriorated further. And so I guess where I am with Conte and Spurs right now is I went from this high of feeling like we have more than 11 guys who can play. And some of those guys who have been on the fringes of Conte's team so far uh, were showing that they like deserve to be part of this team to seeing him really, in my opinion, overreact to a bad result and sort of retrench into a version of Spurs that I don't think is our best lineup. And while it served us well in our early December period against the Brentfords and Norwiches of the world, um, just really looked outclassed against Chelsea. And so I'd like to see him take lessons from this and say, okay, guys like Winkson and Dombele and Bergvine and Los Celso like, should be part of the team. Um, and maybe see us like move on to another level. It's so hard to say with who he's using because I, you know, I think we're still. I think you're right. I think that all of us were kind of hoping to see some of these guys more introduced into the team with some with some of the success in those matches you talked about. But at the end of the day, I think there's like you know he's still kind of relying on the team that was like match fit and just integrated and, you know, able to play for whatever reason. I think what's really interesting is we're about to get, I think we've got like one game over the next week and a half or something like that. Um, you know, and, and that's an FA cup match against, is it more can be? How do you say it? Did I actually say that right? Or Brian, you're muted. Yeah. No. It's Morecambe. Morecambe. Okay. There you go. Sorry. There, that one's for you, British listeners. Um, more cam maybe, but not the, anyway. The B is definitely candy. silent. Whatever. The B is definitely silent. Whatever. Uh, it's our bit, you know. Like I, I don't want to let the people down. So, um, you know, we have this is going to be, I think, the first time he really is able to. Like, I mean, we got a little bit of time with COVID closures, but like, you know, he's really going to have time to work with a full squad and implement some ideas that he hasn't had before. So I am. Hopeful we will see some of those guys. Ben, you mentioned Los Celso, who got who had some cameos. He's just coming back to fitness. Uh, you know, I feel like we, at least it's not psychodrama like Mourinho, but it's just like, it's so hard to know why guys are starting and not starting right now. I mean, you know, like Doherty got, got a start today, which I am reasonably convinced that if Sessegnon had been healthy, that wouldn't have happened. Like, he, that is a man getting starts because... Other players are not available, but it's just, I don't know. Like you could see the difference and I don't know if it's just Chelsea taking their foot off the gas, but we put Ndombele in there at the beginning of the second half and you could just immediately see the difference. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about like the Conte preferred 11 is while it is not, in my opinion, the most ambitious lineup we could put out, it is, it has been well calibrated to compensate for the weaknesses and, you know, create spaces for good attacking moves to happen. Um, you know, Eric, Eric Dyer, I think, has been phenomenal over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about missing Romero and what he brings in terms of a, a passing center back and a marauding center back, but, you know, Dyer has really picked up that slack and being able to distribute the ball out of the back. And Regulon um, has been really key as an outlet, even if he hasn't been, like, 
super great in terms of, you know, scoring and assisting goals. Like he has been a key figure in allowing us to progress the ball up that, up that left flank. And today missing both of them, you know, I think it really exposed the limitations of some of the rest of the team um, because we just weren't able to move the ball very well. And, you know, Doherty doesn't provide you nearly the same kind of quick, quick outlet down the flank as as Regulon by any means, Um, you know, sticking Davinson in the heart of defense where, you know, we'd normally ask Dyer to do a lot of ball progression out of, you know, Davinson just can't pass the ball very well. Um, And as limited as he is as a defender, like Tanganga was just much, much worse. And so there's like a lot of cascade effects from that, like kind of clockwork version of the team that Conte has put together. And, you know, I, I would have liked to see him recognize that by missing those players, we have certain limitations around the pitch and like, you need to bring in other guys who can make up for them. And he didn't really reconfigure, you know, that sort of switch watch of a, of an 11 that he's put out. And that is hopefully just a, a misstep and not something that we're going to see going forward. I mean, there is a level, especially along the back line, that, like, there's just no good solutions if you're missing certain players. Like, it just is what it is. Uh, I thought it was interesting. It reminded me today, because I saw Sanchez out there in, in Dyer's place in the middle of the back three. I thought to myself, oh, well, he was really good in the back three when we first bought him. And then I remembered he was really good in the back three because he was just there to stop the ball. And then you would pass it to Fertongan or Outerwild, and then they would pass it up the field. And I just, as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, it's going to be a long day at the office. But, you know, and it's funny because it's right after I, I actually feel bad for Sanchez because he's, I think he really has upped his play over this, you know, over the, the last couple games. And I think he's a very limited player and that, like, that is not a man who likes to pass. But, like, you know, I would. Like, I was even getting to the point where I'm like, do we need to buy another center back in January? Like, can this maybe wait till the summer? And, like, today was like, no, we cannot. Like, even with Dyer and, uh, like, Romero back, like, this is not something they can wait because you just saw how limited everyone is. I mean, I think, I mean, to just stay on the Chelsea game for a minute, like, I mean, I, I am probably being unfair. And I'm not saying this because he basically conceded an own goal. But, like, I, I don't think Tangang is good enough for us. I mean... Maybe that's harsh, but like you just look at that today and some of his other performances, and it's like we need to get other bodies in here that can. Yeah, I mean, he gave away the ball in the first goal and then got burned. You know, when the ball came back, he had an unfortunate own goal, but like you should clear the ball better than that. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to be too harsh on the own goal because I think there's just a lot of, you know, headers are weird, and but you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's like again, you don't want to head the ball like straight back up the middle anyway when you're clearing the ball like you yeah. know I just with Tanganga I just it's it's hard to get a real impression of him because he just never gets a real run in the team and like he gets these you know fits and starts and you know he'll come on and he'll play okay at fullback against Liverpool or, you know, he'll come on and he'll get sent off against Crystal Palace or, you know, he does what he did again today. And I just he's he's not like at the age where he's a quote unquote prospect anymore. Like he's not quite Jesse Lingard, but, you know, he needs to be playing full time like I, he needs we we need to know what he is. Because right now I don't think what he is is a Premier League level or, or uh, a top six level center back or even in a, a team that's playing a back three. I think he's good. I think he's talented. Um, I think, you know, if your youth academy produces players like him and Winks and Tom Carroll, you know, guys that you can sell and can go play in lower Premier League, upper championship level, that's really good for you as a team. But like... I don't think he's ever going to be a Tottenham Hotspur regular. And we just, we've never sent him anywhere to figure out what he is and what he can do. And he just keeps kind of getting exposed. And 
I don't know. Maybe I'm like Greg. Maybe I'm being a little harsh just based on today's performance. Maybe you know I'm I'm just thinking about that and the sending off against Palace early in the season when Nuno was coaching. I don't know. I'm just not sold on him. I don't understand why he gets minutes over Rodon. Um, I, I mean, with Rodon, you got to assume there's something going on there. I mean, I, I, sure. I know he had some games under Jose, but this is a guy who has struggled to get matches under like three different managers at this point. I, there's clearly. I mean, he plays regularly there. for Wales. Like, but I mean, there's something. Like... There's got to be a reason that like today happens and he doesn't get like. On you know he, he doesn't get in like if there was ever a game where it's like all right Joe like time to go out there and play you know it would be today and I mean I don't know if this I guy's mean, just an asshole on the training ground if he like I mean like I, I don't know I don't know what it is but something is clearly going on there I think with Tanganga it's it's just a guy who we've just unfortunately really mismanaged his career you know three seasons ago he came in and did a job and looked promising and played a handful of matches over the course of the season. And instead of saying, okay, you're a guy who looks like you might have a Premier League future. We're going to send you out on loans like we do with Oliver Skip and say, you know, go have a good season in the championship and we'll see you in a year. Um, we kept him around and he played another like five, six games in the Premier League. And that's just when you're like 20, 21, 22, like that's just not enough football to really make that leap. And now we've done it again for a third season in a row where we've said, yeah, stick around. We're going to play you a handful of times. And by the end of the season, he's going to be 23 with like 15 Premier League games under his belt over three seasons. And it's just, that's just not the career you want to have by that age. You know, you want to have had the opportunity to develop somewhere, you know, with regular minutes, um, and he's just, I don't see any reason why he should get that at Spurs. And, you know, it's possible that we can loan him out next year, but it, it is starting to feel like it's too little too late for Tanganga. Um, what was that, Greg? I couldn't hear you. I think you might have been muted. <laughs> that Brian's controlling my computer from Florida. Uh, no, it's definitely too late for for. I mean, I, I don't think he's going out on loan and coming back is, is what I mean. I, maybe, maybe he could sort it out, but if he goes out on loan, that's... Like I feel like that's probably it for him at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. I mean, and Danny Rose. Games, Danny like, Rose came back from a probably similar situation, so I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, it's like for his sake and for our sake, we need to send him off. And I think the Joe Roden situation is just why did we buy him? Like, who found this guy? <laughs> like, how do we do such a bad job there? Because if he was in any way reliable. We wouldn't have kept Tanganga See, around because we would have had Joe Roden. This is, and I, I want, if any of our listeners have read something to this effect, I, please correct me. This is one of the things that drives me a little nuts about soccer journalism, which is just like, I feel like in any other sport that I follow, if there was a guy like this who just couldn't get on the pitch, like, I would have read a reason as to why, like, is he is he a problem in the clubhouse? Is he, you know, just like, does the coach not believe in him? Is there an issue with you know, his off-the-field behavior. Like, I, I don't know what it is because we're not reading anything like that. But, like, I mean, this there have been multiple instances under multiple managers where this guy's had opportunities to get games, and largely he doesn't get them. I know Mar he got a little bit of a stretch under Mourinho. But, you know, I mean, certainly, like, you know, I mean, my takeaway from when I have watched him either with Wales or when he does get a chance with Spurs is, like, I don't see any, like, red flags where I'm, like, Jesus Christ, what's he doing here? Like, you know, he, he looks a little young, he looks a little green, but, you know, nothing, I mean, you know, it's different than Tanganga, but certainly, like, doesn't feel, like, miles worse or better than him, so, like, I don't understand why this guy's not getting any minutes on the pitch. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's something obvious, like a Juan Foyth, where it's like, Ooh, he's a little wrong. Keeps getting, keeps making dumb fouls. Like I can understand maybe why certain managers aren't using him. You know, it's just like maybe he's not savvy enough. I don't know. And I think you know, sorting out the back line. You know, whatever whatever we do, whether it's buying an, a left footed center back, whether it's buying you know somebody that can play in that central role instead of Eric Dyer, and then 
Eric Dyer becomes kind of your backup at all those positions or or whatever the case may be, I think that solves or, or, or offers you another solution to some of your other problems. I mean, you get a guy that can play the another guy that can play the ball out of the back, and then maybe your Hoiberg skip midfield isn't quite so bad because you have another player that can do ball progression. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Romero coming back and being someone who can step into midfield or be an extra body and attack and, and, and that solves some problems. Uh, you know, you know, maybe a right back with, you know, a little bit more attacking impetus or, or, or ability to deliver, to, to deliver a final ball or to take on a defender. Maybe that changes things a little bit. So, I mean, I think there's certainly incremental things, little things that we can fix without having to spend, you know, 90 million, 80 million pounds on a player. Um, although we should probably try to buy a really good striker. That'd be cool. Um, but, you know, because we're not going to do that, there's little things that we can do that would probably allow Conte more freedom, more more choice, um, just just that would make the squad a little bit more balanced and take us from being like Greg was saying earlier, where we've got like 12, 13 guys and, and those are the only ones that we can trust to play on a given basis. Yeah. I think, you know, the real, the real story, I think for me over this period is, is Conte has a, a, a terrible exercise in Damler's limitation when he's setting out his squad every week. It's always a matter of what am I putting on the table? What are they taking off the table? And how do I balance this in such a way that like the whole unit works? And we have a very weird squad of guys with weird strengths and weaknesses that make it, make it difficult to just go out there and like beat the brakes off somebody. It's always like, a question of okay well we're starting these two midfielders because they're defensively sound we need these center backs who can progress the ball and if we have these center backs who can't progress the ball we need these midfielders who can and if we have this right back who can't do anything we need this left back who can and it's like it's just such a balancing act that he's having to juggle at every opportunity um that i think just makes it really challenging if if one piece of this system is a little out of whack you know the whole thing kind of falls apart a bit and we have a lot of guys who we like and can do a lot of interesting things but you know it's it's really challenging to make an 11 that makes sense and compensates for those strengths and weaknesses uh you know in a way that is is well balanced and i hope we can kind of address that in january um, but if not, if we're, if this is the squad we're mostly stuck with, I mean, I just, I think this is a team that at its best, we're going to look like we did against Liverpool and like can beat anybody on our day. And at its worst, it's going to look like this against Chelsea, where we're just missing a key piece and we can't do anything about it. And it all kind of falls apart. And that's, Oh, sorry, Brian. That's been the story of like, <clears throat> that's been the story of like Spurs teams for like, I don't know, like a decade, you know, I mean, you just think about Pochettino, you know, no Musa Dembele, it didn't work. Okay. And then we lost, we sold Kyle Walker and then like, how are we going to do that? And then, okay, well now Trippier does our ball progression. And then if we don't have Trippier, what do we do? And, you know, and the, I think the difference was at, at a lot of those times we had either Kane or Son or both um, that were at the front covering for all the weird stuff that was happening behind them. And right now we're in a situation where neither of them are really playing that well. Um, I think Harry Kane had a couple of good games over over the kind of the Christmas period. Um, I think, you know, he started to get more shots um, I didn't think he was great against Chelsea today. Um, Son has been largely missing in action um, over the last five or six games. I think he's scored 
I think Discorgans Palace. Um, but I don't think he did much else during this time period. Like it, you know, an assist against Wofford. Yeah, he did have the assist against Wofford, but it's just like you know, in transition when we have the ball, like his touch is letting him down. It doesn't. I don't feel like he knows where he's supposed to be, or 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 if he does know where he's supposed to be, he's not comfortable being there. Like it, it's very weird. And so you know, the two guys that we've had for for years that were elite that like took us from being some completely dysfunctional team to making us look marginally functional are now not working. We've got something marginally functional behind them, uh, or, or, or certainly more than marginally functional now because we have a plan. Um, and then they're not capitalizing it on it at the front. And it's difficult. I, I mean, cause you know, you can't replace Sun and Kane and you can't really drop either of them without spending a ton of money or just, you know, making the team actually significantly worse in terms of talent level. And so it's just like, you have to ride with these guys and hope they figure it out or, or with Kane that Kane gets enough rest in, you know, in some of these off periods or whatever that he finds his legs and starts getting even better or, or whatever the case may be. But, uh, I think that's going to, as it has been the last few seasons, that's going to be the measure of how far we can go, is how how well will those two guys play. I think this undersells a little bit. Like, I do think we look like a top-four team right now. I mean, I know Arsenal's kind of figured it out, which hopefully that won't continue. But, like, United don't look good. I think on balance, with the, aside from this Chelsea game, which, again, key absences that hopefully we can address at least some of in the January transfer window, and by getting guys like Romero back, like I do think we look really solid. I mean, there's a lot you need to kind of like work out long term with this team, but considering how we played over the holiday period, like I don't know, man. I don't have a lot of notes in terms of like, like I don't know. I I, I think this is a team capable of playing at a Champions League at a top four level, at a Champions League qualifying level, even without addressing some of these concerns we've talked about, like. I would like to see us introduce more passers in our midfield. I would like to see us get a little more adventurous. I would like to see us find solutions in defense that don't look like they look today against Chelsea. But broadly speaking, I think we're playing at a pretty comfortably high level. And maybe I'm just like grading us on such a curve after how miserable the beginning of the year was. But I do think we look like one of the best four teams in England right now. I mean, I think you're right. We have, I mean, we haven't played a lot of great teams, you know, besides Liverpool in the last month or so. Um, but we have been handily beating the shit out of bad teams. And, like, that's a thing that we didn't look capable of even, doing. For even if it's not time. necessarily showing up in the final score. Like, I mean, the Whopper game is an exception. But, like, you know, we should have beaten Southampton by a lot. I mean, the Palace game, I thought it was – I thought the 3-0 was kind of Palace. I know they had a red card. But, you know – Yeah, West, we're comfortable. Yeah, West Ham, it wasn't even, like, I mean, 2-1, I think, does not communicate what that game felt like. Yeah, and I, like I said, we have been good against the opposition we've faced, and it has mostly been bottom-of-the-table opposition, but we've played West Ham, we've played Liverpool, you know, Palliser, top-10 team, like, and we've looked good. Um, I think over the course of a season, you know, that's probably enough to get you top four, but seeing how badly outclassed we were by Chelsea today, I think really drills home. Like Conte said, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, we're still not at that level that we want to be at where a game like this, you know, it shouldn't be so lopsided. Uh, and this was just, I mean, we just got played off the park. Like we, we offered nothing today and, you know, for a team challenging for the top four, if you can't, if you can't even show up against Chelsea, who haven't looked know, great lately, right? Yeah, they've been a bit on the skids. Like, it was pretty damning. You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, if anything, I'm kind of like maybe I'll regret. I'll eat these words in a few days. I'm kind of encouraged. This is the first leg of a two-legged semifinal because, like. Like, hopefully Conte is going to learn some lessons. He's going to have an opportunity to fix this. And 
I mean, I'm not super optimistic about our chances of overturning this, but, you know, if we give Chelsea a game, I'll be happy about it. And then, I mean, we've got, we get to play them in the league like a few days later. So we get Chelsea like three times in the next two weeks. Oh, oh good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, look, I guess one of the things that I have questions about, and I know this has been something that, you know, we've talked about in our writer's room. We've talked that people talking about it on Twitter a lot is, is why aren't we playing a three, five, two? You know, that's where we looked really good against Liverpool. That seems to be the best utilization of our personnel in that it still allows you to play Skip and Hoybeard and then also play either, you know, a runner from deep midfield in like Deli Alley, or it allows you to play a passer like a Winks or an Indombele or, or someone that's kind of all around like Lacelso. And you know, we're we're doing it to sort of shoehorn Lucas in in three four three, and you know, look, Lucas had some really good games in the last month, so you know, maybe that's justified. But I just don't know if long term, and especially against some of these better teams where their quality in midfield is just significantly ahead of us, um, if playing with just a Skip Hoybjerg midfield makes sense, like. You know, it, it wasn't even Chelsea's first choice midfield today in the first half. I mean, they started with Saul, um, who has been not good. And and was it Jorginho that was also in there? I forget. Yeah, Jorginho and Saul. And they played us off the park. We hardly touched the ball in midfield. Um, and it didn't get any better as they brought on, you know, Kovacic and all these other guys. Like, I, I just... It did, we have to figure out a way to make the midfield function. And I guess that's been a theme of Spurs since what, 2012? Yeah. I mean, since Ndombele broke down, or since uh, Musa Dembele broke down, <laughs> that's really been our issue. And I think the dirty little secret of the Conte era is Lucas Mora has been our most productive player. Yeah. And so, like Greg said, you're not going to drop Sun and Kane. And so. You got to get Lucas on there because he's the one doing the work. But by having all three of those guys out there, you know, we aren't able to compete in midfield. And so, I mean, we're just carrying all three of these guys in the hopes that like one of them will have like the good day at the office to to score the goal or, you know, play that killer pass or, you know, do something spectacular. And, you know, I mean, I think, that maybe undersells like how good we've been because we have been creating a lot sure. of chances and whatever. Like I don't, but Lucas has made himself a little bit undroppable. And I think that's a bad thing for the team. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure it is like, I, I get what you're saying long-term. That's not necessarily how you want to construct the team, but like, you know, you look at our again. I think I, I want to go back to the Watford and the um, Southampton matches. Like, if you look at our XG charts for those matches, I understand that you're not creating like a ton of super high chances, but like they're really rock solid like numbers in terms of like like the volume of chances we're creating and like cumulatively that's creating a high XG. Like, I understand that maybe there's like better ways you would build that team to create those chances, but look at what we were fucking doing like two months ago, like, or three months ago, whatever it is like that. We have engineered anything that's producing this many chances that we have gotten Kane off the skids in a lot of ways. Like he's at a minimum interested again, you know, it is like very impressive. And again, like if we're still relying on Lucas next year, maybe that's a problem, but you know, if it's working right now, I'm honestly like prepared to give Conte a certain amount of leeway in terms of like, if that's where he's got the crutch he's got to lean on to get this kind of production, then, like, you know, God bless. Like, Well, I mean, yeah. just, just for clarification, Lucas <laughs> didn't start that Southampton game. He didn't come on until... Okay, well. But, but, like, in the Watford game, like, that's a perfect match to drop him. Like, you know you're going to play against a bunker defense. So what is Lucas offering you in that match? Like, he's not going to be stretching the field. He's not going to be... Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to play a breaking the lines pass. He's not going to dribble through eight guys. Um, 
you know, that's a perfect match to go three, five, two, and then throw on an Indomble, throw on a wink, somebody who is going to play a pass, um, you know, or I don't know, someone like heel who I don't think should be starting, but like who has come on the last couple games and done some okay things. Um, you know, I mean, I, he was exciting know. today. Like he had that one break into the box. I'm like, yeah, that's the thing you remember about it. But like, that was more than most of our players did all yeah. game. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I'm sorry. I, no. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, I think when you have a, a skip Hoybier midfield, it's limited. And so the other five players in the attack who are our front three of Kane, Son, and Lucas and our wingbacks have to be able to offer a lot more in terms of chance creation. And, you know, right now they just aren't all the time, you know. Um, I think I hate I hate to dog Royale because I think he's gotten a lot of abuse on Twitter and a lot of fans have been like very sour on him. But by virtue of his weakness, he seems to be getting a lot of the ball in the final third and isn't delivering on that. And the only way we seem to build attacks lately has been kind of funneling the ball in his direction and hoping he does something. Um, and it's it's just not enough. And it might be if you had other angles of attack and, like, you know, the box wasn't as, as packed waiting for his cross. You know, if there, it wasn't so easy to defend him dribbling a guy on the wing. But I think we're starting to devolve into a very one-dimensional brand of, of attacking that relies really heavily on a guy who's not a great creator. And I'd like to see Conte take some steps to figure out what he can do elsewhere on the pitch to take some of that burden off of him um, or get other guys into that space to help him out. Um, you know, if he's going to be demanding so little attention from opposition defenses I think you fix a lot of that problem by having Romero back and playing on that side instead of Davinson, um, where he can step forward and does offer some sort of passing threat, does offer something in terms of someone stepping forward and adding another body in attack. But yeah, I, I, I'm like, I, I'm exactly where you are, Ben. Like, I'm I'm not trying to dog out Royale. I think, you know, he's been a competent and pretty good right back. I think he's he's been very consistent throughout the the entirety of the season and you know, yeah, the last couple games where he had a little bit more attacking onus placed on him, he he didn't do great. But like I think we kind of knew that that's what he was. I mean, I think that's what Greg was saying about him when we signed him was he's a guy that's competent, that he's well-rounded, that you know, he doesn't you know, he's he's not super fast. He doesn't have, like, an amazing delivery, but he's fine. And I do think he'll get better as, like, the team gets more settled. And, like, you know, you put more passers around him. I don't think that's going to hurt him, like you said, Brian. And it's worth remembering, he had a really good attacking game against Palace. I remember sitting on Ben's couch, Ben dogging him, and he puts in, like, two assists and, like, creates three chances by himself. Like, I mean, I think it's going to come with him, but, yeah, certainly, like, just pumping all of our progression through him is, you know, like, I mean, I don't know, like having him put that many crosses in, like, I don't even think like once, and this was very late in the match, he put a couple good crosses in that created some decent chances in that match. Once, um, uh, I think it was the Watford match. Yeah. In the Watford match, once Watford gave up that goal, like, you know, it's, it's again, it's like, it's a problem that we have in general where it's like, if you get him in transition, it all works a little better than if it's like, you know, you're going up against the bunker defense and it's, you know, there's five guys waiting, or like eight guys waiting in the box. And I mean, certainly on American TV, the announcers were really laying into him. And it's just like, you know, you think <laughs> English announcers would be more excited to see a guy pumping lots of crosses into the box, you know? Yeah, well, they weren't beating the first man, though, Greg. And that was, oh, fair that enough. was fair patently enough. offensive. That's the cardinal sin of football. <laughs> yeah. Pure English. Um, so what you're know. saying I mean, is Christian Eriksen deserved no okay never mind um, but you know Christian Eriksen right wing back let's make it happen 
What do you think yeah, we... I guess... Well, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. I'm just saying, if we're relying on wingbacks so heavily in our play, we just need to get more out of them. Yeah. And today, when it was Royale and Doherty, it was just especially telling how how limited those options are. Um, you know, I think Regulon under Conte has been significantly improved and has offered a, a, a level of outlet and, and ball playing that, you know, both frees up space for Royale on the other side and also, like, creates an actual threat on the left. And, like, today we were just bereft. And so if that's such a key component of how we play, we need to be able to deal with that. And it's, it's worth pointing out, too, a guy who's probably a little more similar to Royale than um, than Regulon is um, Sessegnon, who's looked good in his cam in the matches he's gotten to have. Um, you know, he's not like a wing back like Regulon is. Like, I, I, I think he's, is he, what, I don't know. I don't think of him as like that fast or as threatening. Well, he's, he's slower. Like he's Royale paced, but he is much more comfortable in the final. Yes. Game. But my point is he's looked really good under Conte so far. So it's like, again, it's like, there's that injury issue and like that where things fall apart. I mean, I don't think this is like falling apart, but like. Things could be better if we had access to some of these players. Because today, I think today would have looked a little bit different. I mean, I don't know. It was Chelsea, so maybe not. But, like, if we didn't have to put... there was, I mean, there was a chance. Like, and I don't know what Sessegnon or Sergio was going to do with it. But, like, Kane put through in the first half when everything else was awful. Kane put through this amazing pass across the field. that like, hit Doherty in his feet when he had acres of space and, like, running into the box. And he just trips over himself and nothing happens. And... I don't know what Sergio or Sessegnon would have done with that, but they would have done more than what Doherty did. So, Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to play a Skip Hoybjerg midfield and you're going to play three at the back, you can be more adventurous with those positions. You can carry, you know, a Regulon who doesn't play much defense or, you know, like Inter last season had Hakimi who doesn't play much defense. Like you can, you can carry fullbacks that don't take up as much responsive defensive responsibility. If you have five other guys behind them that are doing a lot of that. It's and so like, if you wanted a guy, another Barcelona fullback, if you wanted Sergino, Sergino Dest, like, because he can dribble a guy and occasionally put in a good cross and he's really quick. Okay. Are, I mean, are we ready would, for the inverse of the Royale discussion? Where it's like, where I'm is he on anything that have, happens in our ha- defensive half of the field? Like, I'm not ready for U.S. men's national team fanboys to be back. But um, I just remain shocked that the guy who turned Victor Moses into a title-winning right wing back and the guy who turned Perisic into a left wing back hasn't looked at like Lucas or Brian Heal or anybody who've been like, I think I need an attacker in this spot, not a defender because of the. The defender wing backs are just not good enough. I think some of that ha- is honestly just like he's keeping his he's, he's treading water right <laughs> now. He's you know he came in late. He didn't have time to drill these guys. It's I'm I'm, I'm genuinely I'm I'm kind of tempering my expectations because he hasn't changed much when he hasn't had to. But I'm genuinely curious if we see a different look after this sort of week and a half of very few matches. Like yeah, I don't know. Like he's gonna have more time to drill this team than he's had in a while and. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think Dest would be... I really don't want us to buy Dest. Like, not just for the... I am not prepared for both the U.S. Men's National Team fanboy discourse and the English people skeptical of anyone from the United States discourse, but uh, I think he's an interesting player. It's just like, that guy can't defend to save his life, or at least I've never seen it. So, uh, not exactly who I'd want back there. But yeah, it'd be nice to see someone with a little more verve or can take on a man in a way that Royale really isn't. But I do think Royale will be fine eventually. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Speaking of rumors, speaking of a turd, we just talked about Doherty. looks like he's on his way out. Is anyone, uh, anyone sad about that one? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he, he just doesn't fit in this team. And, you know, before he didn't fit in the Mourinho system because he was a wingback playing fullback and now we play with wingbacks, but we don't use wingbacks in the same way that he was, like good and they're you know good and successful at being a wingback. And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm. 
the fact that somebody's going to pay us money for him potentially is is great. I mean, George Mendez is amazing. Um, if we, he gets us money for this, so it's great. I mean, I don't think he's going to get us money for it, but we might not lose as much money as we thought we were going to lose. So, and if we turn him plus a little bit of cash into Adama, that's maybe not horrible. How do you feel? Because Adam, the, the Adama rumors are being reported from semi-reputable sources. It's hard to tell if this is just a zombie rumor, um, if we're doing Mendez favors, or we're actually interested. I mean, I'm kind of at the point where, like, if Conte wants a player, I'm going to sort of trust his judgment because he's so good at it. But, like, Conte's made a lot of people attack. I mean, Ben's alluded to it throughout this podcast. Conte's made a lot of people who you don't think would be good wingbacks into good wingbacks, both you know, at Chelsea, at Inter, I, I I mean, I don't know. I still, like, don't love the idea of Adama here, but I guess it all depends on the cost. Yeah, I mean, if you're telling me that Adama is uh, 15 to 20 million pounds and Matt Doherty, okay. Like, I, I don't know. That seems fine. And then he backs up Luke, or, you know, he is an option for us in our front three, and also he's our attacking right wing back. I don't know. I think that could be fun. I don't know. I mean, I know he has played some wing back. I don't know that he's actually good at it. Um, it I don't know. I, I, I'm like you, Greg. If Conte is like, yeah, sure, then I'm inclined to to trust him certainly more than I have uh, been with previous managers. But you know, it's not it's not the the guy that I would say that I would prioritize it's not the guy that i would be trying to get but if he is what we get he offers us an option at a couple different spots i mean he's fun as shit he's frustrating as shit (laughs) see that's my thing is he gonna be as fun when like you're you care about what his end product is because i'm i'm not sure he's as fun to watch when you give a shit about what happens at the end of one of those runs yeah, when you're just not, like, terrified, like, oh, shit, what is he going to do to my team? Or like, just, like, I'm watching a Wolves, like, Brighton game. Like, oh, that's fun. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Like, he's obviously a limited player. He's not even a regular starter at Wolves these days. You know, he has obvious limitations. But, like, the things he's good at, he's so good at. And I think you put him as a right wing back with good players ahead of him the strengths probably outweigh the weaknesses, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's, he's no Kyle Walker. He's not like we've seen better. Um, Maybe we should try to sign uh, this guy from Spain, Kieran Trippier. Trippier. He's French. Uh, he's I, French I, I've heard. Is he Basque? And is he from the is he from the Basque portion of France? No, nope, he's he's a French Basque. Um he kind of looks a little bit like a character from Lord of the Rings. And uh he's really good at crossing. And apparently that's what we do now. So <laughs> maybe we should look at him. Well, that might be possible when Newcastle go down, because apparently that's where he's headed, so I mean uh, Every everybody that has anybody to sell is just going to get linked with Newcastle. Like no, I mean our... he's at actual links with Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean he his thing is real, but or more real. But like you know, we should sell Tanganga and Rodon to Newcastle. I think I think Rodon has actually been linked to Newcastle. Um, you know, we should sell Delhi to Newcastle if we're going to have to sell him. Like get eighty million from Newcastle <laughs> for him, like. Like, yeah, let's just, you know, dump everybody on Newcastle and see how much money they're willing to throw around. I'm game. As Saudi Arabia's biggest fan, uh, <laughs> those would be all great purchases. That's right. Ben doesn't want to go back in the suitcase like he did a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so coming out of uh, the Christmas fixtures, Ben, how are, are you How are you feeling about Spurs as we enter enter 2022? I feel mostly positive. I mean, like, I think Conte has done a phenomenal job, and I think the last couple matches really shouldn't undermine that in anybody's minds. Um, You know, I think we have largely a good squad with a little investment. I think we could have a very good squad. Um, I think it's just up to Conte to sort sort of figure out the balance and figure out how to rebalance the team when 
the team he is settled on isn't available. And I think that's just been the big weakness so far. Um, but I think, you know, you see like the leaps and bounds guys like Ben Davis and Eric Dyer have taken um, skip, you know, Kane seems back in a way that he hadn't been, um, you know, on an individual level, I think you can already see like market improvements. Sergio Regulon, I think in particular is, a guy who looks like the guy we bought for the first time since, since we got him. Um, you know, I, there's just so many guys like that around the pitch who you can just see that improvement in. Um, and obviously holistically, we've just gotten miles better. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be enough for a top four finish, but I think, I think we're in it. And I think, you know, at our best, we look, easily capable of of being a, a top four title challenging side so i think we're in a good shape brian how are you feeling yeah i think i'm in the exact same place ben is i mean you know look we came off the high of the liverpool match where i think we were all like wow we can really make a top four run and this team is really good and you know we're exciting and we can hang with everybody and i think you know the chelsea match maybe puts a little bit of a damper on that feeling but i think i think that's still just the the truth i think i think we can still hang with anybody i think we are a top 4 team um even with a flawed squad uh and a manager that hasn't been able to you know fully get his plan uh into action i i think you know, there's enough uncertainty around some of the other teams that we're competing with. And we've got these matches in hand that who knows when they'll be played. And, you know, I, I feel really good. I mean, you know, I, I don't like the idea of potentially losing to Chelsea three times over the next two weeks or 10 days or whatever it is. Like, that sounds awful. Um, that may be what happens. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really... It doesn't have to mean anything for the entirety of our season. Chelsea are actually a really good team. They're incredibly deep. They have some really good players. They spend a lot of money. We don't do those things. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, we've been on such a good run since, you know, kind of the end of October. And, and I think we can kind of keep it going. Yeah, I think it speaks to what a good job Conte's done that people are, there's any sort of dissatisfaction with first person. I mean, the Chelsea game is obviously different, but I, I'm speaking about before the Chelsea game because I think there are people who are feeling very let down by our sort of last three league performances, which I don't think is fair um, because I think, you know, you, there's, some of those games are going to be a hard slog. I know Watford sucks, but when they put like 11 men behind the ball, I mean, I think games are just like that sometimes. And I think that we found a way to break it down and create as many shots as we did is, you know, to our credit and to Conte's credit. And I think the fact that Spurs fans are feeling a little bit, you know, underwhelmed with this team, at least before the Chelsea match, you know, I think it speaks to how well we were playing before that, how much we, how far we'd come before that. And, you know, I'm incredibly optimistic about where we're going. You know, you got to think we're going to do something in the transfer market in January. I mean, you know, famous last words for a Spurs fan. But, you know, I mean, at a minimum, you think... Ryan Nelson, come on down. Yeah, I, well, at a minimum, you think we could get a halfway decent center back in here. Um, you know, just to, you know, because it seems like I, I was, I, I fooled myself into thinking maybe we could survive with what we got, but I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, but, you know, that's, it's... I, I don't think we're far away, and I think we, you know, can make some obvious improvements in January. And you know, even if we don't, I, I, I don't think this is a bad team. I think, like you said, Ben, it's like I mean, I'd like to see him sort of figure it out and integrate some of these guys more, which I think, you know, you're starting to see. Maybe not as quickly as we would like, but I think you're like heels getting a lot of sub minutes all of a sudden. Um, and Dombele came back today, and it's worth remembering. You know, we look at a guy like Dombele who looks like he's very much on the outs. I mean, you know. He, yeah, there was a press conference over the over the last few weeks that made it pretty clear that Conte isn't super impressed with him. But you know, it's worth remembering that like Eric Christian Eriksen was Conte's whipping boy for like months before he became a regular member of that inner squad. So you know, I don't think any of these guys are sort of like beyond you know earning themselves a place back in the team. So I don't know. I'm excited to see how this goes. Like. 
you know, I'm hoping this sort of period of relative calm will give Conte a chance to really, you know, further put his stamp on the team as opposed to this like treading water stuff that we've seen. But, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's nice to be excited to watch Spurs again is how I would put this. I was going out of my way during the holiday period to watch, to find a TV to watch Tottenham. And that probably hasn't been, always been true over the last year. So it's very good. So yeah, on that note, I think it's time to end it. We'll be back next week as per usual. Um, to talk about uh, the FA Cup. And uh, I don't think there's any other games between now and then. So uh, Brian is looking at the fixture list, I can see. I closed it. Oh, Brian, you let me down, buddy. You're embarrassing me in front of all our listeners. I know. Uh, nope, just uh, Sunday or uh, Sunday against Morecambe. And then, oh, a week from today, the second leg against Chelsea. So. Maybe we'll do that if we feel like hating ourselves. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll be back to talk about that, at least one of those games, if not both of them, next week. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the uh, Twitter machine at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Ben, where can people find your Cinema Rex online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. You don't have like a what, what's that? What's the untapped for movies Screenbox oh, account? You, you Letterbox. Wanna, yeah, you don't. You, you don't have a Letterbox account. You want to? Yeah, share? you can follow me on Letterbox at Benjamin Flex. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Don't forget to follow our, our podcast Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. Uh, and don't forget to leave us some reviews uh, as a late uh, Christmas and or Hanukkah present. Uh, for Ben, for... Thank Br- you. Yeah, see, there you go, Ben. For Ben, for Brian, um, for uh, Brett Rainbow, um, and for Tottenham Hotspur, I've been your host, Craig. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> <laughs>